Hello and welcome to the AFBC Comics Podcast, episode 253. Wow. Holy moly. We're here to talk about the best comics of the year. Yeah. Man, uh, there were a lot of great comics this year, and Mm -hmm. this list is always way more difficult to put together than I think it's going to be, because... It really is. We're just spoiled for talent, and and, uh, not you and I, obviously, we just talk about talented (laughs) people, but... To their faces. We've had some amazing guests on the show this year. Some of them we're talking about in, in this in this best of, but mm-hmm. man, just I love this industry and I love that mm-hmm. we get a chance to do this every year. I, and I don't know, I, I you and I had talked about this a little bit off mic, but it's also always kind of nice to not to pat myself on the back, pat ourselves on the back, but to focus on the good, right? Instead of it's totally. always a bummer when you see everyone's worst of the year lists going up, right? Yeah, why why commiserate with you know sit, sit in the mud and be like, look at all this bad stuff, right? I mean, as and we're, we're always yeah. trying to find the best in things because we know yeah. how hard it is to make comics, not only to like make any them physically, art. but also just get them out there, right? Um, and we're I'm covering sure. indies and big two and everything. And yeah. it's hard for everyone. And it's an industry that doesn't really make you a lot of money. <laughs> right. So everyone's there for the love. Uh, mm-hmm. And so we want to give a little bit of love back. Oh, my God. Look at you. You're just gushing. <laughs> yeah, I am. In our best of, if you're first joining us now, uh, we do stuff like best writer, best artist, best series. But we also have a little fun. We mix it up a little later uh-huh. in the show where we have... Uh, you know, like most gruesome death or favorite couple. I kind of wanted to call that favorite smooch, but I don't know. Maybe that's a little too silly. <laughs> <laughs> favorite smooch is a good category. We might want to keep that in mind for next year. I had also considered throwing out like best panel of Spider-Man drinking coffee because I felt <laughs> like we got some really good Spider-Man coffee scenes this year. <laughs> right, right. And to your point about how hard it is to do this, like, you know, Every week we pick two of our favorite comics. Yeah, we're also talking about news every week, and yeah. we're talking about new, uh, you know, comics that haven't even come out yet, or comics that will come out, like just be coming out. And uh-huh. so our minds are like constantly on the the tap of right now, right. and now it's our time to be like, oh no, let's reflect on you know three hundred sixty five days. Yeah, that and, which, and it. But what on the other hand. What was really fun was going back through our lists throughout the year, our favorites, our yeah. reviews, and remembering things from the beginning of the year that gave me joy. Like seeing, right. re, re, like, there's a couple things here that I was just like, oh, yeah, this is, that's the one. And like, it just made me really happy. Uh, so I'm excited to, like, talk about these all over again in some, totally. some uh, scenarios. Right. We get to talk. We get to talk about what we love again. Look at that. It's really about us. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> also, you know, I'm a, I'm always worried about recency bias. So like I'm trying oh, to totally remember what really I loved. Something I one of the resources I used was Comic Book Roundup just to look at my own reviews and my own scores. Uh-huh. It's so easy. You know, when we're reading 80 comics a week <laughs> sure. and picking two books a week that we love, like it's easy to forget what came out in January of 2023. Totally. You know? But yeah, so. Uh, this is our, like, yeah, best of the year. Uh, some of these you'll be familiar with, some of them maybe not. And, um, yeah, we're going to just go back and forth and go through our categories and explain why we love these things. Yeah. And why we love comics, because, you know, we're at 253 episodes. And, <laughs> I don't uh, know that we've talked about comics enough yet. <laughs> we're not stopping, buddy. We're not yeah. doing it. And the industry's fine. Go back and listen to Kevin Smith talk, talk about that. He's, he's so right. I think this, uh... This industry is going to flourish and continue to grow and change as it's needed. Yeah, for sure. But to start, our favorite 
best single issue of the year is... <laughs> yeah, this one might not surprise folks who have been listening for the last uh, like month or two. Yeah. But what did surprise me a little bit was that we, we both were just like, oh, I'm not backing down from this pick. This is mm. my pick, and it's our pick. And we both went with Christian Ward's Batman City of Madness number one for our yes. favorite single issue of the year. Yeah, so freaking good. It's extra sized, it's extra large in format, and um, it's DC Black Label, so it's in its own universe, potentially. It could uh -huh. be canon one day, maybe. But um, we're dealing with cosmic horror, we're dealing with uh, a variety of villains and some interesting takes on these villains that yeah. we've never seen before, which is always exciting with a legacy character like Batman who's been around for decades. Yeah, it's a supernatural horror book that also works as a really smart character study for Batman. Uh, which, you know, sometimes people, you know, everybody wants to put their own stamp on Batman, right? But I think Christian, yeah. while telling a story that could exist outside of continuity, is doing a really wonderful job of exploring what makes Bruce Wayne tick, what makes Alfred tick, mm -hmm. uh, the, the sort of generational trauma that comes with living in Gotham City, not just for Batman passing his vigilante ways onto a bunch of kids, but also like the children of Gotham and the world that they grow up in and the world below the world they grow up in. Uh, I it is uh, and it also functions as a nice quasi sequel to uh, Arkham Asylum, a serious house on serious earth, which is wild to me that that's coming out now and, and that it works as well as it does. Totally. Yeah, it's 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 also fascinating, especially with the visuals paired with it. Like, you know, the idea that Gotham is one of the darkest places in DC Comics right. and then to introduce an even darker, more twisted version. Yeah, can you believe it? there's like a fucked up version underneath? <laughs> <laughs> if the world only knew, they'd be like, oh, Gotham's great. I, I want to live there. Well, maybe not, because right underneath you is hell on Earth. Oh, right. <laughs> Yeah, it's only a three-issue series. We haven't read the whole thing, but but this is just the single-issue category. And, right. you know, there was a couple single-issues that I was batting around thinking about. And, oh, yeah. But this one definitely floated to the top. It's just, it just had it all, and it yeah. felt, it just felt like a perfect first issue. Definitely. In our next category, Best Graphic Novel. Yeah. Which was a tough one, too. There's so many good graphic novels coming out these days. Yeah, um, it, was, it was really tough. I was also, this whole week, just like... Yeah. really cramming in some at the very last minute. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, because we often only talk about single issues on the show and mm -hmm. may not get around to reading every graphic novel out there. And that's really tough as it is. Yeah, absolutely. Not to mention, like, you know, Fanographics and Drawn and Quarterly putting out some of the best books out there every uh -huh. single year. And they don't just pump out books either. They're putting, they're curating, they're putting out books that, that they care about and they know are going to be good. Yeah, totally. Uh, my pick was I Am Stan by Tom Scioli. Um he was on the show a couple weeks ago. We talked about this. Mm -hmm. I just, I was just so fascinated with how the cartooning of it went. It was almost like comic strip style in the art art department, right? But it was so so well researched. Uh, this is basically a, a biography of Stan Lee, but he's literally pulling words out of Stanley's mouth and putting them into the comic book format and organizing uh -huh. it in a way that was entertaining, fascinating, interesting, and felt historical and important. Um, and, you know, the art, I thought, was just so solid for something like this, too. It has this grounded feel that, um, you know, is slightly cartoony, but still, like, very easy to, like, connect with the character. And I think Tom pulls out how Stanley was a complicated guy. He was human. 
And, you know, there's people, there's right. books written about, you know, Stan stole the ideas and all this. And I think Tom does a good job explaining he wasn't vindictive. He wasn't, right. he didn't have a plan. He yeah. sort of fell into this place where he was taking credit and maybe he didn't actually believe it. But then there are other complications in there too. So yeah, Stanley, it really made me think of Stanley in a different way. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great study about how like nobody is the same person their entire life. And, and we mm-hmm. really do get a whole life here, uh, you know, told through a series of vignettes. Sometimes it feels so rapid fire that you're going back a couple of pages just to be like, oh, yeah, OK, this was this, you know, moment of connective tissue. Um, it also right. acts as a perfect companion piece to uh, to his Kirby book, which like you get to see things from a, from another perspective, like the s- similar scenes. Um, yeah, it's 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 not always pretty, but it's a it's a, you know, you don't tell this story without loving your subject. Totally. Yeah. And if you go back and listen to that interview, you can tell. Oh, yeah. He really did love uh, Stanley and everything that he was researching, too. Yeah, definitely. I. What was your uh, best graphic novel of the year? I loved uh, and we another book that we talked about a bit on this show, Danger and Other Unknown Risks by Ryan North and Erica Henderson. Uh, this is a really great YA, uh, graphic novel standalone story, uh, about what happens after the end of the world, uh, or a sort of apocalypse that makes the world magical, but only in like certain districts of magic. So the rules change between cities. Uh, there's just this very fun, uh, there's there's so much world building in this book, and I love I love magic rules, right? Like uh, a spell that yeah. you know creates mist in one area will actually turn something into water in another area. <laughs> you know? uh, right. I that's a really fun aspect. The characters are so likable, and 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 I want to be on this journey with them. They're so funny, and mm-hmm. also you you really come to love them so much. Um, and there's some unexpected twists. It's a great coming of age story and, and a story about taking control of your own power. Uh, and uh, I, I don't know if you love things like Adventure Time uh, or or maybe even like Lumberjanes. Like this is like such oh, a sure. this is such a great, uh, great book. I could not recommend it enough. Erica's art is so strong. And yeah, the yes. take on magic is so clever. Ryan North is a clever writer. <laughs> Oh, yeah, as we will discuss more uh, coming up. Yes, yes, we will. Moving on to one of our most anticipated categories of the year. I don't know. I don't know what that is. I think so. I I was excited about this one. (laughs) Best writer. This one was tough. This one was tough. It's always tough. really tough. You know, something that's tricky with, you know, doing these best of lists for comics, Mm -hmm. too, is that, especially with, like, artists, there are some artists that are just wicked good and wicked busy. Yes. And... It's easy to like have someone edge out another because they just did more. Sure. Uh, and I don't know if that's necessarily fair, but it's an easier it's an easier way to like go, oh, you know what? I'm going to go with this one because they wrote yeah. a bazillion things versus I mean, there's, I think there's a little bit of both on this list, right? Like sometimes we're just so impressed by how prolific somebody can be. And other times I'm just like, yeah, let's do, let's go for, you know, the quality. Like that's so mm-hmm. clear here. Um, for sure. Who did you go for for your best writer? Man... I went with Tom King. I'm, I'm I'm sighing because I went with Tom King last year too. Oh, you and did. That's right. 
I'm becoming a Tom King homer, unfortunately. <laughs> or fortunately, I don't know. Maybe I should just lean into it and be like, look, I like Tom King a lot, apparently. But to be fair, I am thinking hard about like my favorite books. But sure. King is consistently elevating what a superhero comic is, in my mind. Uh-huh. He's taking something that you know has been done over and over, and it feels you know, more mature and it's dealing with mature themes. Yeah. But also it's talking about storytelling and I'm a sucker for that. Um, which you can see in something like danger street that came out this year. Almost all of it came out this year, actually issues mm-hmm. two through 12 and it used C list characters, um, in a way that I never thought could be elevated to a point where they were the main characters of a story. Uh-huh. I also loved Gotham city year one, which right. again, Tom and, and uh, Phil Hester were on the show talking about, but, Love noir, but there was some really interesting, nuanced things mm-hmm. King introduced into the Gotham lore, and I think it's canon um, because it's a it's a story about Gotham before Batman ever existed. Right. Uh, Human Target, uh, you know, one of my Grace favorite Wood, books the last couple of years. Yeah, they they only had one issue come out this year, of course, but right. Uh, that book was just next level. And I, I would give it a lot of credit to Greg Smallwood for that one, of course. Um, oh, that yeah. book just sings with his art. But again, no one's doing books about these kind of B-lister characters that people sort of forgot. Um, and then there's, of course, Batman Brave and the Bold. And he's, again, he's teaming up with Mitch Gerads and they, they're doing, supposedly, the first time Batman encounters Joker. I say supposedly because it's probably going to happen again and again, right? Someone's <laughs> right. going to be like, no, it's actually, this is the first time. I thought you were saying that because it's been delayed a few times. <laughs> Oh no no yeah but uh, yeah that's that's uh, the anthology and, mm-hmm. and their story and that has been just riveting again visually incredibly strong mm-hmm. um, and then also Wonder Woman I I really love this take on Wonder Woman I think it's compelling he's using the international element of Amazons <clears throat> in a in a day and age where we're literally seeing ice like maybe probably less so than in years past but mm-hmm. ice kicking people out of the country for no good reason because they're different. Um, culture and we see that in this but also we see a new kind of villain that's elevated to a almost political level it's kind of fascinating what's going on in that book again that's only had a couple issues but right. yeah there's and then also the uh, near the end of the year Animal Pound came out which I think is yeah. one of Tom King's only creator owned books that's right from Boom Studios and I think that's the take on Animal Farm it and is, yeah. yeah it's <laughs> He's got an exciting 2024 coming up, too, so maybe he'll be on my list again. I don't know. <laughs> Whenever he works with uh, Bilquis Evely, though, I can't get oh, enough. Yeah. They're doing that creator-owned. I think that's a dark that's right. horse. I can't wait for that. But, yeah, there's so many books that made me think and felt like I came away from the book after I read it, not just entertained, but thinking about things in different ways, especially with something like Danger Street. But, yeah, that's why he's my favorite writer of the year. Yeah. No, that's a great, great choice, man. Uh, I had to go with uh, Kelly Thompson for my favorite writer of the year. Um, we had uh, also uh, another. I'm realizing we've got a lot of a lot of guests yeah. uh, on our list here, but like there is something <laughs> about hearing someone talk about their love for the medium that uh, opens up their work for me in a whole new way. And I've been a I've been a Kelly Thompson fan since me the too. days of Jim and the Holograms. Uh, which I could not believe I finally got to uh, uh, talk to her about a little bit <laughs> on our show. Made me very happy. But I just feel like the work she's done this year has been really exemplary. I loved Black Cloak, uh, a, the, her a, you know creator-owned 
uh, fantasy really sci-fi series. Uh, I think I gave I think I gave the first issue a ten out of ten. Possibly, I think so. I, it's it's one of my favorite favorite single issues of the year because I was immediately just drawn into this whole universe. A uh, you know the, the 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 I love a mystery story. I love world building. I love fantasy, and uh, I just feel like we really entered this world fully formed. Uh, Birds of Prey, I think, has been an absolute blast. Um, uh, Kelly has put together a team that is unlike any version we've seen before and also has proven that the team is going to be malleable like it has been over the years. You know, we're going to see members come and go, you know, Barda and and uh, Zealot might not be sticking around and, and you know, maybe we'll see them again later. But the the interpersonal dynamics in the team is so are, are so well done. The characters feel true to themselves, but also, you know, uh, tweaked in interesting ways to make them work in a team dynamic. Maybe some of them are there for selfish reasons. Others are there because they're trying to prove something to themselves or to someone else. And, uh, but everybody is there because it's the right thing to do, uh, which I think is so crucial for a superhero story. Uh, Add on to that, the fact that the, you know, the comedy works, the action beats are fantastic. And I just feel like these characters sort of become a family by the end of it. And then The Cull is one of the most astonishing books that I've read this year. I I can't quite put into words what it reminds me of. It feels timeless in a way, but also very much a throwback to sort of 80s coming of age, you know, sci-fi action movies where we're it and it's it is sort of adopted different genres as it's gone along. The first issue is very much all character development and, and interpersonal relationships. Later issues have taken on almost like a Lovecraftian version of the X-Men vibe. Now we're sort of scavenging and trying to find our way through a, a world on the brink. Um, I, I find that Kelly is so great at this kind of dynamic storytelling that keeps me guessing, but always feels true to the world that she is trying to convey. Um, and that is why I picked her as my favorite writer of the year. Oh man. I, I so agree with almost everything you said. Like the call I've just so loved. It's, yeah. It feels so original and the character writing is so dynamic. Yes. And in Birds of Prey, Jesus, it's it's just so fun. I love the comedy in it. Um, Her- Hera, is it? Yeah, she's so funny. Barda. Barda, sorry, Barda. She's like the Drax of the team, in a sense. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The dry humor. And Definitely. it works off Harley Quinn really well, too. Oh, yeah. No, I think that's a, an excellent pick. Thanks, man. Um, yeah. And it's also a big year for her, because she, she was Marvel almost exclusive, I would say. Yeah, and now up, she's going uh, to DC. And, wrapped and, up Captain Marvel and then just continued to yep. slay. <laughs> it's kind mm-hmm. of fantastic. Yeah, and I'm really excited to see what she continues to do at DC if, if they um, if they let her spread her wings and do even more, which she yeah, should. I'd love to see it. Moving on to our next category, Best Artist. Boom, boom, bum, boom. Bum, bum. Probably the most important part of every comic. No, uh, not yeah. probably is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I had to go with uh, Peach Momoko, who yeah, yeah. has never slowed down this year oh and is God. only going to get more busy in 2024. Um, know. You know, it's funny. We, I was looking back through her output this year. Uh, yeah. You know, there was that star, amazing Star Wars Visions one shot from a few weeks ago that I talked about that is just 
a Lynchian uh, dream logic nightmare set in the Star Wars universe. Uh, and she's also done amazing work in uh, the Darth Vader, uh, Black, White, and Red, uh, Extreme Venomverse. She finished up the new Demon War miniseries earlier this year and has done, I think, uh, 400,000 covers. <laughs> like, I swear, like, that's the new badge of honor is you get a Peach Momoko a uh, variant cover for your book and you're like you're like got it made in the shade um i love the painterly quality of her work i i love the uh the the, the sort of surrealism that comes along with it and a, and a that you know immediately you are looking at one of her illustrations when you see it there is um only so many artists where you like immediately know it's them yeah like Alex Maleev, Alex Ross, Peach Bomoko. Sure. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, I I, I think David Mack. I think I said something last year where I was like, she she's going to be on top of the world uh, in like such a short time, and we've mm-hmm. got her doing yeah. X Men, you know, Ultimate X Men next year, and the work that she's done this year. Yeah. You know, we've even gotten little hints at what she's going to be doing with X Men through some backup stories here and there. I I just I'm I'm so thrilled uh, to see such a unique voice like starting to flourish. You know, and something you didn't even mention, she has been tasked with designing a ton of stuff. That's right. She designed all the Spider Gwen villains. She we just saw. Uh, right. I think last week we talked about. Uh, uh, she designed the new Ultimate Storm, Storm and the yeah. Ultimate Killmonger. Yeah. So like, not only is she doing Ultimate X Men in her own books. Marvel is tapping her with, hey, could you design like a fresh new take on this character? Yeah, like, <laughs> totally. How many artists are doing that, you know? Right. No, I love it. I, Unheard I'm of. So, I'm so happy to happy to see her getting more work and getting more interior work. Like, I love her covers, but there is yeah. a, there is a, an energy to her work that even when a character is standing perfectly still, there is like so much emanating from them that I, I am, I'm swept away by every single illustration. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I, I, I swear, like you kind of said this, but like two years ago we were like, man, she's going to just storm onto the scene. Yeah. And at the time I think she was only doing covers and so. look, she's yeah. just doing more and more and more. I bet you DC's like drooling. Like when can we get her? When can we get her? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. This was another really tough category for me. There was a couple different artists on my list mm-hmm. um, that just blew me away this year. And, and uh, to my point earlier too, like, there's some artists that are just so prolific. And I mean, like Dan Mora, like the dude, uh-huh. I think he drew like 15 comics this year, which most artists can only put out six. Like, and he's doing, you know, sequential storytelling. But right. uh, the one that elevated for me was Steven Subic for the Riddler year one. Um, yeah. I just, <laughs> to the point of like original art, there's nobody doing it like Steven and the twisted, mm-hmm. demented, nightmarish <laughs> stuff going on in this, in this series was so elevated and yes, Paul Dano wrote it, but I think Steven is the reason why it comes off as this fever dream that I want to escape from, but mm-hmm. I also can't look away from, you know, it's like almost like a car crash on the other side of the highway <laughs> uh, in, in the best of ways. Uh, and yeah, there's some visual things going on with this. He's a true artist and some of these pages are like works of art you would put up in a, you know, up on your wall and frame them. Uh huh. Particularly like if you were like a Lex Luthor evil type who wants to freak out your guests. <laughs> and I am. <laughs> um, and I think there's some mixed media stuff going on in these too, like actual note paper and stuff. Um, but just every issue, I would read the book and then I would go back and not even read. I would just look. Right. And 
it's just so layered and yes it's twisted and dark and, and really haunting but yeah i cannot wait to see what he's up to next i know he's got a couple covers coming up uh but he's got to be working on a, a new series because uh, yeah, yeah hopefully another artist that you will there's gonna be people buying on site for sure oh yeah definitely Moving on to best series, yeah. our favorite series. God, this is another tough one, right? Because there's so many good books. <laughs> it was it was really tough, and then I just I really had to have a think about what book has consistently made me happy all mm. year. And I gotta say, it's Fantastic Four by Ryan North, Evan Coelho, and Evan uh, yes. Um I I ju- I just. It's it's the to me for my money, uh, and I do pay money for comic books. I promise. Uh, is it's the best superhero book on the shelf, bar none, in, in my opinion. I I, it's the most excited I've been for Fantastic Four. Yes, uh, I think ever. Um, and we we talked about this. I think I can't remember if it was on or off mic during our our uh, a recent episode, but. It is it is so consistently inventive, and Ryan North's scripts are so smart that every single issue has at least one moment where you're getting a, a theoretical thing explained to you in a th- in a thrilling way. It is um, it, it plays in a it uses real science to build a sandbox to then just let the Fantastic Four run wild. Um, Meanwhile, the artwork is always so dynamic and exciting. There's so much kinetic energy to every fight scene, to every uh, every conversation. I mean, the 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 artists are always keeping in mind, you know, the 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 quirks that make each character who they are. Sometimes Sue will be sort of half transparent, or Reed will whip his head around in an unnatural way to like respond to somebody. Um, we're also building out these beautiful emotional cores for these characters especially reed richards who you know is typically a very antiseptic character right and uh, we we get to see him internally break down and cry like at one point in the series to, to really show us yeah this is a person with feelings he just can't show them all the time or else you know he'd break uh, he has to think about everything all the time because he's a super genius. So of course it hurts him. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, we also have, I think, one of the best. Honestly, it was almost my favorite single issue of the year. One of the best Doom stories of all time. Oh, this so year. so many good needle drops in this book too. In this series. Oh my god, the the moment where Doom. It, it might be my one of my. It's my favorite Doom moment of like the last decade. Is him making the fantastic four progressively forget letters so that they can only (laughs) say his name. It's such a ridiculous vanity project of a, of an attack that uh, it's so perfectly doom. And that is such a microcosm of like what, how well the characters are understood and portrayed in this book. Um, Also tons of Benji Grimm, like thinking his way out of a situation, not always punching his way out, which I think I love. Um, Just pound for pound, it's my favorite superhero comic right now, and I am I look forward to it every month. Also, there Same. was a giant Doom dinosaur. <laughs> yes, there was a dinosaur narrative, of course, from Ryan North, of all people. Uh, I'm also every issue. I'm looking forward to like what sciencey thing Ryan North's gonna like yeah. explain to us because yeah. there's been some really crazy, cool ideas for mm-hmm. the Fantastic Four to you know. To vanquish. It's not just a bad oh, guy yeah, to punch. Totally. 
And it's, I feel like I'm learning something. You know, obviously, some of these, it's a little out there and probably not that logic. Like, that wouldn't actually happen, but it could. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is like the sweet spot for, for this kind of storytelling. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. Pushing it to that. Yeah. And if you go back and listen to the interview we did with him, I mean, he explains the amount of time he has to put in to make these 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 issues work because of the right. sciencey explanation stuff. Uh, it's a lot of work, and you can tell. And you can tell he really loves these characters too. It was actually Fantastic Four was a very close first for me, but I ha- Danger Street by Tom King and Jorge Fornes eked it out for best series for me. Um, every issue of this was just jam packed with character work and story uh not not to mention Jorge Fornes's acting for these characters is just mm-hmm. so spot on and compelling and they're so human but I just love the idea too of we've got these you know the dingbats are this this crew of kids that don't have powers they're just jerks kind of they just they ride around in the street <laughs> on their uh four-wheeler and they shouldn't because it's not licensed Meanwhile, uh, Lady Cop, who they call Lady Cop and she doesn't like it, uh-huh. she's just a cop. And she has some trauma she's dealing with because she encountered something in a world where superheroes exist and Superman didn't come and save her. Meanwhile, there are new gods that are plotting to destroy the Earth. And somehow this connects to Lady Cop and Dingbats. And, you know, King, he's consistently doing this theme where it's super duper grounded characters. Like, for instance, Darkseid eating a veggie plate. Uh, but it's dark side eating the veggie plate. You know what I mean? So like super <laughs> right. grounded moments, super grounded characters. And yet we are elevating it to the point where the universe may snap in half. And I think that's just so cool and weird. And it works really, really well. And it feels like he's modernizing how we think about superheroes. Uh, obviously, yeah. we we wouldn't want every superhero book to be like this. We still want that <laughs> ridiculous, high stakes, punch them up stuff. But it just feels like it's rewarding when you put this book down um, and it feels like a higher art form because of it. There's, yeah. there's an issue where we've got Manhunter and I think it was Guardian, I think his name was, uh, uh-huh. this, this, this assassin. And the entire issue is just them chatting and fighting. But, sh- but the battle is f- through words and through, through their fists. Right. And it was like something out of um, classic cinema. Um, shoot, what is the... What was that classic movie where Death ha- plays the chess match? Seventh, uh, Seventh Seal, Seventh Veil. Seventh Seal. The the no, this hang on. I, I said Sorry. it in my review of this issue. No, it is Seventh Seal. Oh, okay, thank you. <laughs> I was like, um, I know I've seen it. I was just I'm getting it mixed no, up. No, you nailed it. Um, and it has that quality to it where at the end you're thinking about the characters and the situation they were yeah. in that issue specifically, but also other times in the series. So. I think if you have the patience for it, because I know a lot of superhero <laughs> books, you're just there to see Hulk punch a monster in the face. But if you have the patience for it and you dig in and you think about the dialogue and how what it's saying and what it means, mm-hmm. there's a lot of there's a lot you could take out of it, mm-hmm. uh, and it does feel like a higher art form because of that. So yeah, I think that's why the industry is my best series of the year. Man, great great choice. I need Thanks. to catch up on that one. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's really it's really compelling. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say Alan Moore's name because everybody does, but like it does feel like it's elevated to that level at times when it's working. Right. It's working for Tom King. Um, Moving on. uh, Best anthology, which gosh, there's so many anthologies. There were a ton this year. (laughs) Totally. Especially from DC who loves to put out holiday anthologies. For every holiday now. Absolutely. 
I mean, April Fool's next year. What else are we going to get? Like, Boxing Day? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My favorite anthology was Batman Brave and the Bold. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is uh, my favorite in part because I never really gave a crap about Wildstorm or, like, Stormwatch. uh, But Ed Brisson and Jeff Stokely made me care about these characters. Uh There's a mini story in that. I think it's a four four or five part story that starts in the first issue. Uh, But then every issue of this uh, anthology has a one shot, usually in black and white, which is really cool. So it's like Batman black and white is back, but it's just in this new format. Mm -hmm. So every issue you get at least one complete story. Uh, And then of course you've got Tom King and Mitch Durads telling their Joker Batman story. And it's just visually stunning. Um, And this book also dares to use characters that are underused or forgotten. So uh, it's the most exciting Stormwatch has ever been, yes. or like it's up yes. there. <laughs> I mean, that's that book makes me think: Why wasn't this a you know an ongoing uh, totally. series? Yeah, um, you know, and DC's really good at they already did this kind of with Batman Urban Legends for mm-hmm. gosh, I think it was like thirty five issues or something, right? So it's basically Batman Urban Legends again, but but, but broadening it outside of the Bat yes. family as well. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I, I, the first couple issues are all bangers. And yeah. even if there's a story that doesn't work for you, there's probably one in there that does. Immediately uh, after. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. My my partner has been super into this series as well, because, you know, it's sometimes it's also uh, intimidating to know where to start with comics, especially big two books. And, you know, I handed her the first issue and she read the Batman Joker story and was just like, yeah. Oh, okay. This this rules. I want more from this team too. Like you know, so I I don't know. It's a great it's a great gateway book too. It really is, yeah. And extra size, of course, because extra stories. Absolutely. Um, and the covers are bangers too. But what was your favorite anthology? I really loved uh, all three issues of Zeno this year from Oni Press. Uh, a a very uh, goopy, nasty uh, sci-fi anthology. Not all of it is gross. Some of it's very funny. Some of it's very charming. But uh, in in a lot of ways, it's it's all sort of uh, it's like if Black Mirror mixed with Heavy Metal Magazine a little bit. It's got a totally. very uh, mean edge to it, and some unbelievable talent. I mean, we've got uh, Melissa Flores, Christopher Condon, uh, Phil Hester did a story. Uh, Shaky Kane did a story. Uh, we're, we're telling, and they're all kind of all over the place, like, uh, us being afraid that we're going to be replaced by robots, or there's a story in the first issue about an intravenous, uh, video game system that, like, destroys you from the inside. Uh, very big ideas, sometimes told in a small scale so that you can really, um, you know, you, you really get the, 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 how the human cost of this quote unquote progress, uh, I I think it's just such a fascinating book. I wish it, I I get the vibe that it didn't sell particularly well is what I've read. So I would really love to encourage people to go find it. Uh, there's a especially there's a story by Phil Hester called "She Took the Air" that just like obliterated me. Uh, I, I I loved loved this this miniseries. It reminded me of like Liquid TV television on MTV. Oh yeah, totally. Just yeah. like twisted and weird and leaning into that. Um, and, you know, there's an audience for that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, go check it out. I, there, and on, it wasn't even like the only great sci-fi anthology this year. There were so many, like you said, there's so many great anthology books this year. Mm-hmm. I would just mm-hmm. please go check them out. For sure, yeah. And as always, they're, they're nice grab bags. So 
Totally. You're bound to find something that you like in those. Next up, best letterer. And my God. I I think... <laughs> you could probably guess what I think we're going to we say. Did, I think we did the same last year as well. But like, from... For me, I don't think anyone yeah. in the industry is doing it like Hassan Atzman Elhow. No, uh, it's both our picks. Um, I, I, I honestly, I write a lot of reviews. I think I wrote something like 380 this year. And wow. Hassan is lettering probably 50% of them at this point. No kidding. But yeah, dude never stops. Every time I get to the point where I'm like, okay, now you're going to have to talk about the letterer in my review, <laughs> I'm like, holy shit, how do I say the same thing again about Hassan's work? Because right. He's a true artist. Now, I'm not disparaging other letterers because no. I know, you know, using fonts and placing the word balloons and is such a key fonts part. And, yeah. and a big part of lettering is making it legible and clean. Yes. But Hassan is doing stuff with the word balloons and the tails on the word balloons and sound effects and the actual letters themselves. He's hand drawing the stuff. It is true artistry. You can every see, issue he letters. You can see the texture of someone's voice in, in, exactly. in his lettering, yeah. in mm-hmm. his word balloons, and he's and like you said, he's doing really playful things, like yeah. um, you know, wrapping the tail of the balloon around someone's arm, or right, right. Uh, you know, if someone's someone's like casting a spell, it's gonna have like a more whimsical, you know, halo to it. I, I it's mm-hmm. it's fascinating. It's it is always. It is always a thrill to to see what he comes up with. There there are times where his lettering helps inform how the character sounds. Yeah, totally. Which is insane. This is a medium that has no sound. <laughs> uh, yeah, there, there's just another level and another layer to his work mm-hmm. that elevates uh, usually character, uh-huh. and but also just like this the atmosphere of a scene. Like if someone is like. You know they can't get the words out. You Hassan will do it in a way where you can tell they're like wavering. Yeah, um, it's just fascinating stuff. And and well, yeah, the playfulness of the word balloons is so fun too. Well, it's like we had when we had Christian Ward on the show uh, to talk about City of Madness. He said something along the the lines of like, "We're like, uh, yeah, you're doing this book yourself." And he's like, "Well, mostly." He's like, I, "You know, the plan was to do it all on my own, but like, how, like." Am I just supposed to not get the best letterer to do my <laughs> my dream Batman right. book if I can get right. them to do it? Like, <laughs> man, and there's there's uh, the amount of work they do. Like, I don't know how they have time for anything. It's yeah, crazy. It's wild, and they're all over the place. They're I mean, Poison Ivy. They're doing everything yeah. for Poison Ivy, and like you said, Batman, City and, Madness, and some smaller indies. indie books, and mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely everywhere. Moving on to our best colorist of the year. That's right. Fucking uh, hate you, baby Jarvins. <laughs> uh, I this was another tough one, right? Like, yeah, there's yeah. look uh, comics. Uh, it's you know we we love to talk about our our beautiful four color medium, and uh, there are people who are really pushing the boundaries of of what we see in in regular books. And I loved Tamara Bonvillain's work this year. Um, I mean, always good, right? Once in Future just concluded yep. last year. But like this year, Tamara's been on a tear, especially with superhero comics. World's Finest, uh, work in Batman, uh, Fire and Ice, Welcome to Smallville, DC Pride, uh, and the aforementioned Animal Pound by Tom King. Right. Uh, the She has a way of making superhero books absolutely pop but also giving them uh, giving them a depth 
in the brightest colors you've seen, right? Like there's so, how do you draw how do you how do you color Batman so bright and still allow him to have that kind of smoky edge to him? Yeah, uh, yeah. Fire and Ice, I think I des- I described that book as looking like what apple pie tastes like. You know, like it just <laughs> like there I've never seen a, a version of Smallville that I've more wanted to go to than the sunny corn-fed Smallville that we see in that book. Um I just I, I don't know it, it it's the best of both worlds for me when Tamara does superhero comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, she's always doing a great job, and it's always these really cool superhero books too. Yeah, world's finest. I mean, I want I want Tamara and uh, Dan Mora to work together all the time. Like mm, her yeah. colors so beautifully complement his his style. Like it is just the I, I hate I feel like this word is so overused, but it is iconic. Like it is mm-hmm. it is the iconic ideal of what these characters should look like. Mm, yeah. The brightness, yeah, the, the comic booky feel for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, you really see that in Fire and Ice. Oh yeah. I love that book. That was also Maybe very close too. to being in my favorite series. <laughs> oh, yeah, when you only have to pick one, it's so. Tough. I know it's it's driving me crazy. I mean, you there's so many great the books ones. this year. I also I forgot to throw this out earlier for best graphic novel, but I recently read uh, Cena Grace's Superman Harvest of Youth, so good, which is uh, heartbreaking. I'd say mm-hmm. I missed it when it came out. Uh, unbelievable book. Uh, very very highly recommended. I reviewed that for APT. Yeah, it was That's solid right. solid stuff. And you reviewed um, that Wonder Woman graphic novel too. Yeah, right? Diana. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite colorist of the year was Jordi Belair. Uh-huh. Uh, she won the Eisner for best colorist this year. So pretty good. The... <laughs> <laughs> San Diego Comic Con. Yeah, Eisner Awards. Um, gosh, I, I, the reason I picked her this year was the breadth of work, but also the variance in the work. Mm-hmm. Um, like world's finest teen Titans has that comic booky bright feel. Yeah. But then something like assassin's apprentice at dark horse has super duper realistic, gritty fantasy worlds, uh, visuals. And then, you know, uh, birds of prey is mm-hmm. just on another level of artistry when it comes to the colors. It actually reminded me of nice house on the lake, her work there because yeah, totally. there's bit of a chaotic kind of energy going on with the colors. And, um, she's also coloring the, um, shoot, what is it? A uh, Duke. Uh, Oh, that's right. Uh, yes. From Skybound, which is next year. And there's an interview we're going to have with Josh Williamson and Tom Riley a, co- a couple weeks that, I actually asked about Judy Bill's colors, and Tom was like, "We gave her no notes; she just did it, and it was amazing." Yeah, totally. <laughs> like he was like, actually, at one point, Tom, I'm spoiling an interview from in the future, but he talks <laughs> about how there's a specific color red she used. No mm. one told her like what color to even use, but then it was the perfect color for the scene and the atmosphere. Oh, great! Um, and then you've got like something like Phantom Road that has a different feel. It has like a lighter, lighter tone to it. Like, yeah. You know, when they're in that phantom world, it is like it's not reality, and you have to convey that. And the colors do so much to do that. And then you've got something like World Tree that is sci-fi, supernatural, kind of sickly greens being used to convey that horror of a under the internet internet. Yeah. I forget what it's called exactly. Dark web, dark dark web. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think you know you pick up a book and it's almost a talent that you can't tell it's Jordi Belair. Mm-hmm. Because it can be so different from something else she colored, yeah. But just the skill so, is just so high, so diverse. Absolutely. You know, we're also like in a golden age of coloring because 
you know, 40 years ago, coloring was by hand. <laughs> yeah. Now it's all digital. So and there's so much more you can do. And a smaller palette available as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can do it faster too, which I think explains Jordy's output, which is just insane. <laughs> sure. I don't even understand. Like sometimes when I think about it, I'm like, does she just color like 12 hours a day, <laughs> six days a week? Right. Or... Anyway. Yeah. Moving on to our next category, best comics, film or TV yeah. adaptation. This uh, was, gosh, this yeah. one wasn't, <laughs> I'll be honest, wasn't quite as difficult for me. Uh, yeah, I, I I will say I want to throw out a special shout out to She-Hulk. Mm-hmm. There was just one thing that like slightly edged it out for me, but I I gotta I, I think I've mentioned on this show before. She-Hulk is just it's the it's almost exactly the the show that I wanted it to be as as a massive classic She-Hulk fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that show so much. It's like the only Marvel show I want to watch again. I know. <laughs> I mean, that's season two. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I, I just just confirm it'll come, please. <laughs> but yeah, it, it it was a it was an odd year for comic book movies, right? Like, mm-hmm. not everything was hitting with audiences, and I I think we arguably yeah. picked the two that that really did. Um, yeah. I went with Spider Man across the Spider Verse. Uh, so a, good, a so many accolades. A, the, do what now? It got so many accolades. Oh yeah, a, a movie that like I have some structural issues with, but in terms of just spectacle and and uh, really connecting with me as a lifelong Spider-Man fan I I feel like this is the movie that perfectly makes the case for Miles being the primary Spider-Man like he is right. he's he's a he's the perfect character he's the perfect audience viewpoint character he is uh s- selfless but conflicted uh, loves his mama, <laughs> loves his <laughs> loves his family, loves his friends, and I I just I I was so along for this ride. The whole movie just feels like it never stops, and I mm-hmm. like that's such a feat for a two and a half hour film. There is so much crammed into every single screen Gosh, of that Spider movie. Spider Punk alone, right? Right. Which I was just seeing the digital release of that movie has like altered the color palette for his character and like there's yeah it's weird there's been a lot of like post theatrical tweaking for that movie which is very strange for a movie that just came out this year there were were people saying some things were in there cut and not not they saw different scenes yeah it it was a very weird rollout but i man Mm -hmm. uh yeah that i mean honestly everyone listening to the show uh, if you've been listening for a while, you know I'm a, a spider punk stan, and I could mm-hmm. not have been happier to to see Hobie Brown on the big screen. Uh, for sure. And uh, yeah, I just I, I had an absolute blast with Across the Spider Verse, and I need to rewatch it. Same. I only saw it once in the theater. Mm-hmm. The tech, the, just what they do with like textures, like yeah. the bende dots on the skin and stuff. Like, you know, <laughs> part of me thinks that's a negative in a way because. I know hundreds of artists probably suffered <laughs> making oh, that movie. Yeah. Working 20-hour shifts probably, and I think there is some reports of that. But some crunch, yeah. It is, I mean, some of the greatest things uh, in life took a lot of, <laughs> a lot of fucking Yeah, no, I am very torture. conflicted about it. But I, uh, in terms of the artistry on display, I, I, yeah. I think it's really hard to deny. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, my favorite uh, comics, uh, film, or TV adaptation was Guardians of the Galaxy three. Hey. I uh, oh, man, that movie's so emotional. I have a friend yeah. who is a vegan, 
and loves animals <laughs> uh-huh. and said, should I go see it? And I went, no, <laughs> don't go. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, obviously, he came at me with like, I don't want to see animals being tortured. And there is yeah. that, but it's done in a way that it's so emotional, but it also makes you like want to care for animals and want to not yeah. eat meat. And <laughs> that's not what the whole movie's about, of course. Sure. But uh, it's it was a nice send off for the series. I know James Gunn's over at DC now, so likely there won't be a Guardians 4, by him at least. Right. Um, but it got the game back together. There were some really kooky, crazy sci-fi worlds mm-hmm. and people and costumes. And uh, it had a nice sense of humor. Rocket had a nice story arc as we saw his past when he yeah. was turned into what he is. And it's deeply tragic and deeply emotional. There's there's emotions you'll feel watching this you don't get from anything else. Like, right. I don't know how many movies will make you cry in the way it does. I, it really hit me, and I. But the thing that I love so much about it, the thing that I really respect Gunn for doing, and for honestly Marvel for being cool with him doing it, is mm. it does feel like an ending. Like it, it does, it's so yeah. rare that we get to see our our hero right off into the sunset, mm-hmm. and uh, I think this movie does that really well. For sure, yeah, yeah. And where it leaves all the characters is 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 interesting too. And it came off the back of that Christmas special last year, yeah, which yeah. was also freaking amazing. I enjoyed really it. Good. Yeah, it was fun. I've been, uh, I've actually been thinking about rewatching it this year. Yeah, I should too. Kevin Bacon's so good in that. He's always good. Bacon's he always is. good. He's gonna make Beverly Hills Cop sing. We'll see. I guess we'll see. <laughs> that trailer we'll just see. came out, didn't it? It did. I thought it looked pretty good. I yeah. don't know. I I grew up with those, so I love the first two. I don't know about the George Lucas. I just one. feel like uh, I just feel like all Netflix movies look the same. <laughs> yeah, that does have that effect. Yeah, is it a Netflix movie? I forgot. It about is. That. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Weird. Is that strange? Oh, that's right. Because Eddie Murphy had like a Netflix deal, doesn't he? Yeah. Um. But yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy three stellar movie. You probably already saw, but it's definitely one of my favorite. Yeah, but you're right. Like. There, there were years where it was so tough. Marvel would put out three excellent movies, and we're not even going to get one true Marvel movie next year. <laughs> we get Deadpool, and I think that's the only one they're putting out next year, right? Yeah, and I mean, I don't even count that, because it's like sort of Fox, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Moving on to our best comics events. Yeah. Ooh, this is a tough one. This is a toughie. Yeah. Yeah, I, I gotta say, I didn't particularly love any events this year like some of them most of them felt really unwieldy right mm-hmm. like uh my pick uh, i went with night terrors the dc event this year um which i i mostly had a good time with but you know we we had a lot of fun at its expense and the fact that there were 48 tie-in issues something like that <laughs> like it was yeah it, the checklist we, was absurd when they released at. the checklist you sent it to me i opened it and i started laughing like i was like this yeah. is fucking insane but it was not a checklist it was like hammurabi's code you know it wasn't even yeah it wasn't a checklist it was just hey you should read every book that is coming out this month and in fact like some like the the structure of it was so i feel like i'm just crapping on it i don't mean to but the structure of it was so strange where like we got a prelude issue that should have been number one but had a different name from night terrors and then we had the final issue had a different name it was all, all kind of all over the place but I loved the opportunity to mm-hmm. kind of check into these different alternate realities and these nightmare worlds. And yeah. um, it afforded the creators uh, some opportunities to tell different sort of character studies. I mean, the, the Poison Ivy one alone really yeah. gets into how Pamela 
uh, is conflicted about her relationship with Harley and her, and you know, what does, what does my future look like? If I'm not going to destroy humanity, then am I just going to settle down and not be a criminal anymore? Would I even be happy with that? Am I happy in a, you know, in a relationship? Uh, the, the While ba- living in a plastic world where the sun is right. like sentient. <laughs> uh, Ravager gave us a really harrowing, like, straw dog style, like, home invasion slasher movie kind of vibe. Yeah. Um, they, they just told so many different kinds of stories. Uh, we, we get our great Robot Man and Zatanna team up. Yeah. Uh, there was just, it was a fun time. And I, I really appreciated the the willingness to get weird with it. It had a really good hook, which you kind of want in an event when there's right. tie-ins, because usually these tie-ins show us, you know, characters' struggles on their own little mm-hmm. side adventures, and this did this perfect. Some this of these really could the stand nightmare on their of every own. hero and villain. Yeah, we got two issues of the Joker f- trying to be a normal guy after oh accidentally God. killing Batman. Joker uh, is in a, working at a cubicle, and he's trying to get Scarecrow like benefits or something. I forget exactly what it was. <laughs> And I was oh, a big man. I was a big fan of uh, the the whole. Uh, the, there was a few elements within like the main miniseries that I really dug. Robin taking a you know a, a drug to keep himself awake, uh, yeah. uh, bringing Wesley Dodds the Sandman back from the grave to mm-hmm. to help them out, uh, which is just such a rad visual and, and cool yeah. idea. Um, yeah, the, I, I, there were some big swings that I really admired in this series, even if uh, it, it did feel a little unwieldy as a whole. Yeah, it was really large. And I just keep seeing people say they're so exhausted from events. Totally. Oh, yeah. I mean, there, this year alone, I think there were what, like four or five Batman events, and we're about to lead into a new one. Yeah, yeah, a couple. Yeah, there's always a Batman event, it seems like at fall, mm-hmm. which there was this year. Uh, my favorite event of the year was Fall of X, mm-hmm. which spun out of Hellfire Gala, and from that, a lot of miniseries, uh, which I think have been excellent. Children of the Atom, for instance, mm-hmm. is is really leaned into the the, the the children of the vaults. These people that are millions of years old, I think uh-huh. they're like they're like super mutants with these incredible abilities. But the idea of like people living in a petri dish outside of our reality and coming out and they've they've evolved way beyond us is so compelling. Alpha Flight, it's so great to see Ed Burson bring that team back and, and make it work. Mm-hmm. Uncanny Avengers has just been balls to the wall action and fun. And uh, we've learned at the end of the year that there's a version of Captain America that never died and he's right. back. <laughs> I, li- I liked Secret Empire for the most part, so it was cool to see that. Uh, <laughs> and then Miss Marvel, The New Mutant, was super fun, well-paced, well-plotted um, action book. Jean Grey has been a fun uh, exploration of Grey. different realities. Yeah. yeah. And just like seeing like what it would be. It was basically Jean Grey, what if, um, but in canon. And, you know, this is post her dying at the Hellfire Gala. Um the story is still continuing, so it's not quite over yet. And it's it's not it's it's a weird. It's not necessarily an event per se, but it's basically this era of X Men, and I believe it's leading to the end of this era of Krakoa. Um, so there's a lot riding on this. I know a lot of people truly love Krakoa, don't want to see it go, but it's fascinating to see the takes. Uh, I didn't even mention Dark X Men by mm-hmm. Steve Fox you know, playing around with the Goblin Queen and it yeah, that just ended in December and that was a cool finish. Also fun to see uh, a riff on it where Deadpool goes into the Havoc yes. him boy costume and 
calls Chasm by his name. <laughs> uh, also by Steve Fox. But um, yeah, I, I know a lot of people are harping on Fall of X, but you know, it's also all of these minis are only five issues, so they're not huge buy-ins. Mm-hmm. You don't have to pick up every single one. So yeah, it's a sad time. Orcus is 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 winning, and the mutants are at their lowest since the Krakoa Age started. But, but the stories you know, all are good. Things have to end. So yeah, it's a fun uh, little little drama going on there. <laughs> That's it for our main uh, categories. In yeah. our next segment, wild card options. We're gonna Whoa. go through some of our yeah. These are wild, man. Sick. They're born to be wild. <laughs> I love using old school slang. It just makes me feel so young. No, absolutely. I love hearing it. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Um, in our first category, most improbable survival. <laughs> yeah. I picked Daredevil. Uh, this is a bit of a spoiler if you haven't read Chip Zdarsky's Daredevil run, but he goes to hell. He dies. It goes yeah. to hell, guys. Yeah. And yet he's walking in New York, walking around totally fine. He's back. <laughs> now. He's back, baby. Nobody dies in comics, um, but I feel like going to hell maybe would take you off the board a little bit longer. I don't know. More than just like an issue or two. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. And I, I'm actually, I actually relish when heroes are taken off the board. Like when Captain America uh-huh. died and he was truly gone for at least a year. Yeah. It made it exciting when he came back and it made it interesting to see how other characters react to it. But it was also an epic way for Zdarsky and Marco Cicciato to end their run. Yeah, I was about to say, like, on the counterpoint, like, Daredevil also gets, like, angel powers, and it's Mm -hmm. fucking, it's so metal. It's the great, it's such a great end of the run. I would also love to point out that last year, our our pick for most improbable survival was also a Zdarsky book, I believe, and it was Batman falling from space. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was insane. And angling himself just right <laughs> that he landed <laughs> fine. <laughs> and it somehow made some logical sense. It did. You know, it was really fun. It was, that was during the failsafe uh, storyline. Yes, yes, it was. His first story arc there. Um, I also, I went with everyone that died in Deceased War of yeah. the Undead Gods. Uh, mm-hmm. This uh, storyline finally wrapped up this year, and uh, I mostly really enjoyed it. What was What was fun was... Mm. Uh, you know, the the end of the book did provide a cure for a lot of the folks who had been turned into ravenous zombies, for lack of a better word, by the anti-life equation. Uh, but the the thing that was, like, really not sitting right with me was, like, a lot of these folks, like, their jaws were missing or they were, like, torn apart. Like, they were just sort of, like, all bloodied up, like zombies tend to be. Um, and so I guess I'm like, okay, so you you're not driven mad anymore but you still have like a million open wounds do those heal when the (laughs) thing is reversed maybe i missed something but that was like it was it was cracking me up Uh Um, that's funny great book though yeah it's crazy that deceased is kind of done i i imagine that was to it eventually i think that was like the grand finale i mean they did leave a couple of threads if they want to tell like new earth stories and stuff like that but yeah it was it's a it's a really solid ending for that storyline for sure, yeah. Hugely successful, too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's also successful. What's that? Orcus killing mutants. In our next category, yeah. most gruesome death, we both picked the Hellfire Gala out this uh, this summer. And good God, it was a page turn that literally made people sick. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I think what makes this the most gruesome death for me is that it's in a Marvel book. It's in a big two book where... 
they tend to not show too much gore. They don't go as hardcore as like Image Comics or Indie Comics. Well, especially with like their marquee characters. Right. And in this book, this is a big spoiler if you haven't read it, but it's been months. Um, <laughs> the the X Men is always introduced. The new lineup is always introduced to Hellfire Gala three years running. Yeah. And they're introduced. Page turn. They're all uh, dead. Nimrod. <laughs> Yeah, Nimrod is like cannonballing down sh- like Superman, flying straight through them all and ripping them to shreds, including Dazzler, uh-huh. Jubilee, uh, Juggernaut. I think makes it out, but it looks like he could be getting his ass ripped out. Uh, <laughs> while Jean Grey watches in like complete shock. Yeah, and Nimrod says, "Sorry to drop in." It's like so <laughs> wild. It's like comical, but like people are being ripped in half here. There's a mm-hmm. person. You can see, I can't remember which characters, but from their chest down are just bones. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Someone's head is being blasted. It is, it's just insane. And what a, what a shocking way to do it because no one saw this coming. Right. This is supposed to be a heroic moment where the X-Men are, are, you know, you know, lambasting their friends and saying, look how great we all are. And then, nope, you you lasted one second. Right. Definitely gruesome. I mean, there's a lot of gruesome books out these days, especially horror comics, but this one I think takes the cake. I uh, yeah, I, I couldn't think of anything. I mean, there were there were ones that were, yeah, definitely more violent, but this was this was the this was the wildest one for me. Moving on to our favorite couple. Nathan, yeah. who's your favorite couple of the year? I had to go with Iceman and Romeo in uh The Astonishing Iceman. Uh I can't think of a better analogy for a, a, an important relationship than the fact that Romeo is literally holding Bobby together mm-hmm. uh, after the aforementioned attack on the Hellfire Gala. Uh, Romeo found Iceman's essence basically floating in the ether and put it inside of a frozen body, and he's he's literally keeping him alive. Uh, that's yeah, that is, yeah. and you know, it is uh, it. it it really, it really begins to strain their relationship because you know Bobby can't slow down. He wants to keep mm. helping people, and it's really difficult for both of them to kind of uphold their side of the relationship. And uh, right. but it's I don't know. If that's what a relationship is. You both put in the work, and nice. uh, I don't know. I just uh, th- I just thought it was a really lovely metaphor in in how they are. Uh, reliant upon each other in this storyline and and nice. uh yeah uh, it's it's such a such a clever concept from steve orlando and uh, i just love their scenes together nice yeah yeah there's some and i like how they're like you know smooching they're they're having Not a smooching. legit they're having a legit relationship yeah you know you don't often see i mean right it's not just married transactional in absolutely yeah we see married couples and they never kiss like how often do i see luke cage and jessica jones <laughs> no kiss? kidding never. right Come on, give us the smooches. Give us some, we love smooches. <laughs> Why not some cuddling? I want to see a three-way Logan, Gene, Scott cuddle. Absolutely. So, and who's the little spoon? Got to be Logan, right? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, he's the littlest one. <laughs> It'd be funny if he if Scott was a little uh, the little spoon. <laughs> I guess in a three-way spooning, it would be one would be the little spoon, one would be the littlest spoon, right? I I couldn't tell you if I tried i'm gonna look up this up on uh, wikipedia or maybe encyclopedia has it i don't know <laughs> uh my favorite couple of the year is from a manga called goodbye eerie by 
Tatsuki Fujimoto. Mm-hmm. Um, this is my favorite manga of the year by far. Um, I need to read this, this one. It's, uh, well, you're going to get it tomorrow. I send it to you. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Look at you. This, so I'm not going to spoil it because there's a, there's a twist to this that, mm-hmm. that is really interesting. But uh, as someone who went to school for screenwriting and was dabbling with making short films for years, and I actually work in video now still, but this is about, Yuda is, a, is, is, the, is the male character in this book. Um, he's a young boy who decides, he's a filmmaker and his film doesn't work. Uh, and he mm. shows it and feels embarrassment for it and is going to kill himself. And lo and behold, this girl, Eerie, shows up and convinces him not to. And they go on this adventure making a film. And there is there is death, there is uh, emotion, and there is a twist to it all in the end. Mm-hmm. And they watch a lot of films together. And it, it's just the, the, the cadence of their relationship is really compelling. It's 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 uh endearing it's not like this sexual relationship it's not like this uh romance that you might have seen everywhere but it is um long lasting and Mm -hmm. heartfelt and it ends in a way that's compelling it makes you think about the relationship in a different way and you can read this entire manga it's just a one manga it's not like a series in one sitting and it's really absorbing and the relationship is a big part of that man yeah i gotta check this out um, in our next category, best reboot relaunch. Yeah, you can pick which word. <laughs> I won't make you. But uh, my favorite relaunch is "Clobber in Time" by Steve Scrooge. Um, I talked about this series a couple times on the show this year. Uh, it was just so fun, and you know, Thing doesn't always get his own series. He's had a couple. I think at least one. He has at least one. But Scrooge has so much fun with these like one shot style team ups. Uh, meanwhile, building this story with this crazy villain mm. who's like from this alternate future and he's pissed off. And, you know, the writing of Thing is solid. He yeah. is a big lug who cares and can sometimes use his brain, which we have seen in Fantastic Four in great ways this year, too. But the art alone was just so stellar. And it's just a, such a fun book. Yeah. Uh, every Every issue, I was just like stunned by something in it that may put a smile on my face, which is why it's my favorite. That's that's yeah, that it's such a fun book. It's so wild over the top gross uh, in, in some ways. <laughs> yeah. Where it's every, like every single page is so, Oh yeah. When the rocks come off his body, it's the most upsetting thing I've ever seen. Um, mm. And yeah. And some of the most detailed action pages I've seen this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I I had a real hard time narrowing this one down, and since it's a wild card uh, yeah. option, a wild card uh, category, I'm just gonna be that guy and pick two <laughs> uh, relaunches. Sorry right. about it. Um, so I went with uh, I, I went with uh, Hawk Girl by Jadzia Axelrod and Amanke Nalpan. Uh, because I, one, it's so great to have a hot girl book back on the shelf, but also, uh, it revisits a character from my favorite graphic novel of last year, uh, Galaxy. And I've just really enjoyed seeing these two characters come to rely on each other and trust each other. On top of that, uh, this is a, again, a really great character study dealing with the idea of like, how does, how fatalistic does a hero become when they know that they'll just you know, reincarnate. And how does that 
how do they process that when they're depressed, right? Like if you if it's so easy to just start again, why don't you? Uh, which is such a heavy topic, but is explored very tastefully and very interestingly. We're also, you know, just dealing with all of these characters who feel out of sorts or out of touch with the world. They feel they feel like they don't belong and it's nice to have people tell you you do belong. It's a it's a great superhero story and a great story about found family. Uh, it has one of my favorite Batman panels of the year <laughs> as well when he when he tells Galaxy that she belongs here. Uh, yeah, I, I really felt that. On, that. On an episode it did. It was one of my Kapow moments. I, yeah. I just really really love that page. Um, I also went with. Um, Alan Scott, The Green Lantern by uh, Tim Sheridan and Cian Tormey. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a really bold reinvention of this character, sort of uh, recontextualizing his origins uh, and, and and adding in things that we would come to know about him later. I mean, the, the outset of this book is that, you know, Alan Scott is trying to uh, keep his personal life personal. He's He's in a time period where you know, he would be seen as a deviant for have for being gay. And uh, he's being literally blackmailed by the FBI into working with the JSA. Um, the Tim also retells uh, Helen Scott's origin story in a really harrowing issue where he has to he he is committed to Arkham Asylum because mm-hmm. of his sexuality mm-hmm. and uh and, and how he eventually runs away like run you know escapes and tries to you know free the other prisoners and and uh you know because they're not they haven't done anything wrong you know he's just yeah. he's there because he doesn't want to be dishonorably discharged uh it's uh, it is a really incredible piece of storytelling that has uh, completely refreshed Alan Scott, a character that I have always had so much affection for. Um, But I I think Tim is telling a really, really brave story here in a very, uh, a very heavy, again, like much like hot girl, we're, we're exploring extremely heavy themes within the world of superheroes and in a way that is not, wallowing in pain but rather figuring out how to rise above it and and become something better and greater and Mm -hmm. uh i i don't know i i loved this book i am so excited to see it continue into next year and i hope you know and all of these golden age ones are, are you know uh mini series but i i really hope that uh tim's run with alan scott doesn't end with six issues yeah i agree yeah deeply moving it'll probably win a glad award i bet I, w- um, I would, yeah. I mean, the, bo- the it's a it's a great series, and I, I, you know, we talked a little bit about this when Kevin Smith was on the show, but I think people who are uh, reacting nasty in nasty ways to this book uh, are not even for a moment thinking about the humanity that is on display in these stories. Right? right. No, you're so right, and it's a it's it, it's a story that hasn't hasn't really been told in a, in a, especially in a big two sort of way. So Absolutely. Uh, it'll only educate folks, so many more folks, because it's probably tapping into an audience that isn't unaware of this mm-hmm. part of our history, which, you know, obviously it's part of the DC universe, but it's, it's part of our history too. Like you said in the second issue. Well, it's like, I mean, people were learning parts of history through, I mean, that's, that's the, 
that's what storytelling can do, right? Like yeah, people were yeah, learning yeah, yeah. ugly parts of our history through the Watchmen TV series, uh, <laughs> right. you know, right. and, and that doesn't mean that it's not valid that they learned about it. It's just that mm-hmm. some people come to it in different ways and, and we need to be willing to tell and share and, and accept and, you know, tell these kind of stories. I, I, totally. yeah, these are, these are two books that have been extremely important to me this year, especially, Hawk Girl has spoken to me um, on a level where, I mean, I don't want to get super deep into it, but I, yeah. I, I have been dealing with my own mental health journey this year. Uh, mm-hmm. We talked about that a little bit with Kevin Smith and also with Leah Williams earlier this year. But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Hawk Girl has, has been a, a very, uh, very important book to me, seeing that uh, it's okay to hurt and it's okay to be sad and it's okay to uh, ask for help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are important things, and yeah, good picks because of those for for oh. those reasons alone. Thanks, let, man. let alone that, that there's good stories going being told here, and both of your picks are lesser known, lesser used characters anyway. And it's really cool to see Alan Scott being used in this way because it felt like yeah. we were waiting for this kind of Alan Scott story for like over a year since he was reintroduced into the DC universe as a player, you know? Yeah, I mean it's it's been even longer than that, but yeah, I I I'm so happy that. Both of these characters are getting spotlights from extremely talented creative teams. Mm-hmm. Good picks, man. Thank you. We have two more categories left in our next category. Best Newcomer! Yeah. Nathan, who is your Best Newcomer of the Year? Uh, you know, I, I have to give it up for Iman Villani, who... Uh, wrote the new Miss Marvel, the new mutant, uh, co-wrote that miniseries. Uh, and I primarily because she is such a ball of sunshine, a general, like just a ray of positivity, knows her stuff, absolutely loves, lives and breathes these characters. Um, and she also came into sort of an impossible situation and has made yeah. it work, right? Like, yeah. There was such an extreme backlash to the to the changes made to uh, Miss Marvel this year, and the, you know the death of Miss Marvel we've talked about on this show was something that you know really didn't sit right with me, mm-hmm. um, and you know she still came. I mean, she came in and did this job, and it could have been a stunt hire, right? Like it, it so easily could have been one of those things that just doesn't work, but it does. She loves these characters. She knows. Uh, Kamala inside and out, uh, quite literally, and uh, I, I just think it's such a fun book, and I'm I'm happy to have I'm happy to have her in the Marvel family. Yeah, for sure. The that Miss Marvel book was really well written and mm-hmm. plotted and entertaining. It was a good superhero book. Yeah, for sure. Totally. Uh, my best newcomer is Distillery, Distillery. with no vowels. <laughs> the new comics publisher that's put out two books. Mm-hmm. Gone and Somna are two mm-hmm. of their launches, but they also had their uh, grab bag anthology, which was really the cool. Yes, and in a in, a, in an era of comics where there are more publishers than ever, uh, it's easy to be skeptical when a new totally. publisher is announced. But the um, founders are literally some of the greatest comics creators of all time. <laughs> yeah, no shit, right? <laughs> because all of the creators have a stake in the company. It's of course also run by Chip Mosier and. Um, forget the guy's name but uh the guy from comiXology mm. and they're bringing their talents uh that which they've proven over the years at comiXology with comiXology originals to mm-hmm. its own publisher where i think these creators are getting a better cut and thus can make more money and make a living yeah doing what they love 
Not to mention, Gone was a compelling new sci-fi series from Jock. Uh, mm-hmm. Becky Cloonan and, and Tula Latay are doing the Somna book that I just simply loved. Um, yeah. Dealing with like witches and old-timey New England. And um, yeah, so it's, I'm really excited to see what Ron V's up to. I know James Tynan has got something going with Distillery. Scott Snyder. Um, there's a couple more. I think there was eight ongoings promised, and we've mm-hmm. only got two so far. So really interested to see them in 2024. I think they're going to hit the ground running. Absolutely. With- Many more series, if not all of eight, will be out by then. But um, and they're doing, they're trying to do some stuff with digital comics. I'm still not quite clear on how that's working, but mm-hmm. they're trying to do different things that no other publisher is, and that's really exciting. And I really didn't mm-hmm. anticipate <laughs> that brand new publisher with so many great creators backing it right out of the gate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, moving on to our last category, biggest surprise, surprise. of the week. Of the month, week, year. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I can't, I can't think of something that was more of a hang on what, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, this year than the announcement of Spider-Man Reign two, mm-hmm. um, to the point where like Marvel was just like, you remember this story that made everyone so mad? We're doing it again. Um, <laughs> yeah, like it was, it was the craziest thing seeing that preview image pop up online because it leaked, unfortunately. But right. uh, you know, just just sort of the 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 sort of shockwave that went through comics Twitter and folks on Reddit uh, talking about yeah the they're doing they're doing it like it's yeah. back like almost uh, over two decades later I think like it's been it's been nearly twenty years uh, yeah and it is just uh, actually I think maybe it is the twentieth anniversary I'm I have to check that but. I didn't. I don't do research for this show. Two thousand six. Two thousand six. Okay, so out. almost there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But yeah, just such a such a wild page turn. Uh, and I, I think I texted you the second that I read it. Like, can you fucking believe this? And I'm yeah, not. Yeah, I, you know, yeah. I'm not saying you know whether it'll be a good idea or a bad idea. I'm just saying uh, I can't believe it's happening. Yeah, it's it's interesting seeing people go back to it or read it for the first time because of the news. Yeah, totally. Uh, I think there's been a bit of a reappraisal uh, from some folks anyway. Some people are saying it's not as bad as you might remember. I, the shocking, when it comes to sexuality in, in big two comics, yeah, I feel like a majority of the audience may not be mature enough to <laughs> take in what they're reading. And so their gut reaction is, ew, bad. Um, not to say Spider-Man Reign is the greatest thing ever or anything, no. but... And I'm, I think why this was a surprise, not not least of which because of the shock of the first series uh, sure. of what happened to Mary Jane, but also like who was asking for this? <laughs> <laughs> sure. I mean, it's possible Kara Andrews, who you know did the first series, was mm-hmm. just like I've I have this kicking around. I've been working on it. Can I, can I do it? And CB Zabolski was like, sure. But I, I I don't know. I don't know. It's just it's just out of the blue. Never expected a sequel for this. Uh huh. Um, and like you said, it since 2006 is the first issue of the first series. That's a lot of years where people, you know, have forgotten about this. Yeah. I mean, I can think of so many other series that I would expect to get a sequel than this. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, definitely a huge surprise. I think the other huge surprise this year was definitely Tom Braverut being named X-Men editor um, yeah. by himself on his own newsletter <laughs> on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> Yeah, um, before before a press release from Marvel, yeah. I mean, Marvel usually likes to keep this stuff super tight. We still don't know who the, the main X-Men writer will be when he takes over. We can make some educated guesses at this point, but mm-hmm. 
since they usually keep these things tight, uh, tightly hidden and like to take big splashy um, moves with trailers and stuff, it was a shock that he let everyone know in a casual newsletter. Later, uh-huh. he actually apologized and said, you know, he didn't mean to. Oops cause a stir because a lot of people immediately were like yay jordan white is gone we don't have to Uh, care about him anymore which was so unfortunate yeah um but also like the it immediately caused a panic because it was like shoot a new editor means a new direction and are we just gonna start over from scratch and at that panic continues um tom keeps saying in his newsletter don't worry you know we're still going to end that story in a a meaningful and entertaining way. But Mm -hmm. that's another thing about this. Like you announce creator changes or editor changes and people immediately go, Oh, well these X-Men comics are coming out now. Don't matter then because it, the comics that Tom does will matter because that'll be the new status quo. Right. Which is a weird way to think with serial storytelling like this. Of course, everyone dies and comes back. Every, every character gets a new love and loses them. Yeah, I mean, originally on Biggest Surprise, we even had the, you know, the resurrection of Miss Marvel being so quick. And then we were like, no, we kind of knew it wasn't going to last very long. There was a movie coming yeah, out this year. Exactly. You know, it's, it's exactly. We, we have gotten used to these kind of shakeups. But this one, the way it was announced and the sort of, yeah, the discourse around, I, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm exhausted by discourse, but it was, yeah. uh, it was an interesting, it was an interesting time on, on X-Men Twitter for sure. And for those who listening who don't know who Tom Brevoort is, he has been an editor at Marvel for decades yeah. and never edited X-Men um, and mostly stuck with like Avengers and Fantastic Four. So to make the switch was also out of the blue. Um, we're also talking about an era where Hickman revitalized X-Men a couple years ago mm-hmm. and now is doing his own thing with like Cosmic Gods and stuff and of course the Ultimate Universe. So it was like, what's going to happen with X-Men if he's moving on? And part of me thinks this is a good shakeup because it means Marvel is taking X-Men extremely seriously because this highly seasoned editor that every time we've had a guest on who's worked with Tom, just glowingly talk about him. He's good at his job. Uh And, you know, of course, then there's the whole worry of, are they bringing in the biggest editor at Marvel for X-Men? Because... Marvel's MCU will have X-Men soon, so they have staff synergy. So I've seen that narrative too. Right. But yeah, uh, completely shocking that it was announced the way it was and also that it was announced so early because he's not really taking over till June, I think. Right. And uh, we still don't know what Jordan White will be doing either. It hasn't been announced if he'll continue editing at Marvel or if he's editing some other line. But obviously there's been some shakeups too because we saw Will Moss yeah. uh, is taking over. I forget which one. I think it was Avengers. I think so. Yeah, but yeah, definitely a bigger surprise. Well, that's it for our best of 2023. If you liked our picks, let us know in the comments. And don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. And, you know, the ratings matter, folks. But yeah, what a wild year. And yet yet there is one more week as this episode (laughs) airs. And yet there will be one more year after this. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, there's there's one more week. But guess what? We have advanced copies, so we know what happens. Mm -hmm. So this is the definitive list, guys. I I had a fun time putting this together with you. I love yeah. doing this show with you. We'll talk more Same. end of year, you know, uh, sentimentality next week. Mm-hmm. But man, mm-hmm. I'm so stoked for what a great year we had in comics, and I can't wait to see what uh, you know what next year has in store for us. It's it's easy to do this show one because you're a great co-host. Same to Two, you. Because comics, I swear they haven't been as good as as this is uh, ever. Right. 
There's yeah. always some kind of cool new indie and there's some really exciting creators that are continuing to grow and become bigger and more known and getting yeah. more chances. If you're yeah, listening I'm... to this show and you don't read comics, uh, one, you're, you're weird, but two, you're missing out. <laughs> That's so true. That is so true. Well, until next time. <laughs> Bye.